How do you figure out whether a contract milking position is the right one for you? What things should you be asking the farm owner? What do you look for on the farm? And what are some common mistakes to avoid when signing agreements? My name is Ben Chapman-Smith and I'm the host of Talking Dairy. In this episode, the second of our three-part series on contract milking, you'll get the lowdown on investigating a job offer from Dairy NZ business specialist Paul Bird and ANZ agri-manager Sean Mitchell. This follows on from our first podcast in the series titled Contract Milking 101. And just a note in case anyone's confused, these podcasts are not part of the excellent new contract milking short course of the same name, launched recently by Dairy Training Limited, Dairy NZ and Federated Farmers. We'd encourage you to check out that course, which is already proving popular. Go to dairytraining.co.nz to find details about the next contract milking course. Let's get into it. Sean and Paul, thank you so much for coming on the Talking Dairy podcast. It's uh, great to have you here. Paul, you've been on before uh, a little while ago, but thank you for coming back. And, and Sean, thank you very much for your time. I wondered if you could just introduce yourself, please, to our, our listeners. Sean, tell us a bit about yourself, please. I'm a senior manager here with the ANZ. I look after a team down in King Country, and I also look after our retail agri team in the Waikato. So that's a team of managers that look after all of our kind of new entrants to the industry, whether that be dairy or dry stock. So we look after a lot of the contract milkers and, and she milkers um, and hopefully help progress them through to becoming our first farm owners. Previous to that, I worked for Dairy NZ or it was Dexel back in the day as a consulting officer down in the King Country as well. Oh, okay, I was going to ask if you had a background in, in agriculture. Yep, yep. It's in your passion. Good stuff. Did you grow up on a farm? A lifestyle block, but probably it certainly um, piqued my my interest in farming, and uh, you can't keep me away from it now. <laughs> Good one. Hey, and Paul, a bit about you. Yeah, hi, Ben. Um, yeah, look, I've been involved in agriculture for all my life, really. Grew up on a farm just north of Auckland and moved into the farm advisory area. And I'm, I'm currently in the business team in DRNZ as the lead business advisor. And I work on a number of projects. Some people might be familiar with the market measure business planning course that we've been running for a number of years. And recently just been focusing on contract milking and variable order share milking. So yeah, it's really good to be here to talk about that. Sean, I understand that in your role, you've been seeing young people coming through, going into contract milking who are unprepared for it. How common is that and what kinds of issues are you seeing? It is relatively common. I suppose if I look at it and I think like like any startup business, it is important to have a plan, um, which also includes the budget. So if you kind of flip that question around a little bit, we look at what are our most successful contract milking clients do? And generally those are the ones that go through to share milking and then on to farm ownership. And generally the key kind of themes that are coming through with them is they've got a, a very clear plan, very clear budget and borrowing kind of strategy. And also it probably come into the contract milking role with a little bit of money up their sleeve as well to help self-fund themselves a wee way through or, or contribute to it at least. So we look at and go, you're moving from a, often moving into contract milking role, you've moved from a, a wage type role where you get paid fortnightly. You're now going and running a business. You're learning it's a whole new skill set around running a business, around managing finances, potentially managing staff as well. So it's quite a big step up often in the skill set required. Those that do it well often have a very good team around them and trusted advisors and mentors to help support them in that step and that transition. That's awesome. Thanks, Sean. 
Paul, what are some key principles a contract milker should be thinking about when they're looking into a position? There's several of these, and I, I think one of the most important ones is that the agreement ne- it needs to be financially viable for both the contract milker and the farm owner. You know, you have to be able to make a profit out of this business that, that you're going into, and that profit needs to be a little bit of a premium over and above managing the farm. Because, you know, as a contract milker, you're going to have more responsibility, a little bit more risk. And so it's important that, you know, you work those numbers out. And also from the farm owner's perspective, you know, it has to be viable from their point of view. You know, they're going to be sharing some of the profit of the farm with the contract milker. And so there's no point in a farm owner getting into it if they actually don't have that ability to share some of the profit. Some of the other principles would be that, you know, you've really got to understand and accept the other party's goals and farming philosophies. So, you know, you might be a contract milker who, you know, is sort of quite passionate about sort of lower input type farm systems. And you go and talk to a farm owner who is, you know, the aspiration is to try and achieve 600 milk solids a cow. Well, you've got quite different farming philosophies there. So you've got to really understand those and, and try and have those aligned. The other one is just around clarity of expectations, and I think we might talk about that a little bit more later, but just making sure everyone understands all the aspects of the agreement and the partnership that you're about to go into. I think the other one is around skill set to run the farm, and and Sean talked a little bit about that around, you know, it's quite a step up coming into contract milking. So managing cows, grazing, people, business management. So you've got to have the right skill set to be able to go into this. And then just finally, Having that win-win attitude where both parties, you know, understanding where the other person's coming from and you're trying to make it a success for yourself, but you're also thinking about the other party in this relationship. You mentioned the contract milker premium. Could you just talk a little bit more about that? Because I believe you did some work into that recently. Yeah, we've developed a budget calculator that's actually on our website and it helps people to work out what profit you know, they plug in the um, proposed contract rate and farm costs, and it sort of drops out a profit at the bottom. We then do a calculation where we say, well, you know, hypothetically, if you're managing that same farm, what would be the cash surplus or the profit if you're doing that? And then we compare the two of them. And so the premium is the difference between if you're managing versus if you're contract milking. And you really need to have a bit of a gap there. If they're the same, you'd have to say, well, why would I take on that contract milking role? So it's just a really good thing to do to make sure you you know you get that financial viability you know, set up right at the beginning. Second, that that we um, do direct a lot of our clients towards that website. It's an invaluable tool, um, and has certainly triggered some light bulb moments um, in a number of our conversations. That's great. We'll put a link to that in our show notes for this, Paul. If you're heading to an interview, what are the questions that you want to be asking that farm owner? Well, I think the first thing is you want to sort of go prepared. And so I think you need to actually write these questions down before you get there. And so, you know, they're going to be things like you want to know how the farm owner thinks about farming and how they run the farm. So, you know, what is your approach to to farming? What's your overall farm policy around stocking rate, calving date, levels of supplement? How many people do you think are required to run the farm? So just think through all of those things around that so you get a really good understanding of the farm owner's sort of philosophies and values around the farms because, you you know, you're just trying to sort of get that as much alignment as, as practical. 
Another really good question, and it sort of sounds, probably sounds a little bit uh, strange, but it's like, you know, what is the farm owner's pet peeves? I think it's a fair question, and you just sort of get some insights into what perhaps bugs the farm owners, and, and they might ask you that same question. And so, you know, I was dealing with a shear milker a few months ago and had a really good relationship with the farm owner, and the farm owner hated weeds in the particularly in the paddocks on the on the road frontage. And so the shearmilker just sort of probably upped his game a little bit, probably more than what he what he had to do, and just made sure there was never a thistle or anything popped up in those front two or three paddocks. And uh, there was a lot of give and take in that relationship. And uh, just by being aware of that, he could just put a little bit of effort in and the, and the whole thing worked out really well. So there would be a few sort of farm management type questions I think you're entitled to ask about what happened before. So, you know, the previous contract milker, you know, what have they gone on to do? Would you be able to contact them and just have a bit of a chat about the farm? I think the other thing would be, are they interested in what your plans are and in what what you're trying to achieve? And so to me, that's always a little bit of a warning. If, if they're not interested in that, I'd just be a little bit wary um, you know, you want to be working with people who are sort of interested in what you're trying to achieve as well. And lastly, it's not really a legal thing and it's not specifically a question, but when you go to an interview, you know, what's your gut feel? If you've got a bit of a nagging concern, can't quite put your finger on it, sometimes it pays to listen to that. And so just have a think about that too when you go for your interview. Sean, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think uh, Paul actually covered a couple of the thoughts that I uh, I had jotted down. But I suppose one that does come up a little bit is around what's happened to your previous contract milkers, how long they may have been there. We've all got different personalities. We all get on with, with people differently. But and it's just trying to understand actually what's happened in the past. Is this the first time they've had a contract milker on their property or not? I suppose so secondary to this, it's not really the question you ask your farm owner, but just talking out and about and in the general community around those reputations, good or bad, both yours and farm owners, do proceed yourself around the district. So you'll often put your feelers out and you'll get a bit of a feel for the farm owners as well. And Sean, when you're viewing that farm with the owner, what sorts of things should you be looking for? I suppose the first key one would be, is what you're seeing lining up with what you've been told? From a, a production point of view, what state is the property in? Because the production and the costs and the inputs, that comes into your budget and that's about dropping out actually your premium and your profit at the end of it. So to me, that would be key is around, is it lining up? Is this farm we can do 1,000 uh, kilos uh, a hectare or grass? Is that lining up what we're seeing out there at the moment? The infrastructure is probably secondary to that. So the key thing, if, if you've got staff or the houses actually up to standard, if you're trying to attract good people, to help you in, in, within your business, um, have you got the infrastructure in that to be able to do that? And it's meeting all the requirements. And then you've probably the shed, you know, the size, shed condition um, and effluent set up as well. Is everything compliant? And do you see any potential kind of risks or anything in there for yourself? In your ease of management, I suppose, how would you run things? And I suppose part of that then is what kind of equipment are you going to need coming into this contract milking role you know will you need a tractor or, or not or do you have access to a tractor in some kind of arrangement with the farm owner it's understanding what's the infrastructure that's here probably what's the setup of the farm you know is the subdivision there is the, the, is the maintenance has that been completed as well 
in allowing me to actually go in and run this business and run this farm to the best of my ability and can generate the income that I'm looking for from it. That's great. And Paul, getting on to you know, the actual agreement, what are some key things I should be looking at in the contract milking agreement? What should be in there? And what are some common mistakes to avoid? Well, I think the first thing to say is that an agreement, you know, it's a legal document and you really do need to get some help, particularly if it's your sort of first time uh, coming into contract milking. So you really need to get a good solicitor, an accountant and maybe a farm advisor to sort of help you through interpreting this agreement, you know, because it's a relatively long legal document. One of the key things is that you want the latest agreement. Um, you don't want some old thing that's out of a drawer that's 10 years old that's sort of a photocopied thing with twink on it. And so you want the latest agreement. Uh, Federated Farmers are probably the most common provider of agreements. Um, Farmwise Consultancy Group also have their own. And there's a number of solicitors that sort of do their own agreements as well. So you want the latest one that's got all the newest clauses and information in there. One thing I notice with some agreements I've seen is that when people are filling them out, there's a surprising number of gaps in there that people aren't filling out because somehow they think, you know, there's some optional bits, but there's some that are not op- optional. You really want to try and fill in that whole agreement. And even if you think you've verbally agreed on something um, and decide not to fill it in, people forget. And so that's very important. And, you know, make sure you have two copies, you know, the usual legal thing, have two copies for both parties and both agreements are signed by both parties. So everyone's got copy of, of what's been agreed. But then that's an agreement. It's a starting point. And, you know, legal agreements can be altered. And so depending on the particular situation on the farm, every farm's a little bit different. People operate in different ways. So those agreements are designed to be sort of added to or adapted in some way. So working with your solicitor and your accountant, farm consultant, and with the farm owner, there might be some changes you make. So if you decide to make some changes to the standard agreement, you can agree on that. It's written up correctly, signed by both parties again, and then you just have a slightly sort of modified version. So there's sort of a couple of things to think about as you're working through the process. Just a final thing on that, we are piloting our course for contract milkers to really look at these contracts in quite a lot of detail for people who are about to go into contract milking. So we're piloting that course this year and we'll be rolling that out next year around the country for those people who want to really build up a good understanding of contract milking. That's great, Paul. I was thinking that for a lot of people who are new to contract milking, so this is the first time they're, they're looking at an agreement, these people might not have used an accountant and a lawyer, you know, these kind of advisors very often, right? What would you yeah. say to them? Because obviously I, I imagine a lot of people are – you know, there's the cost fear. What, what's that going to cost me? And, and, and can I get by without it? What would you say to that? Well, I would say, no, you can't get by without it. I think if you're going into business and you have a five, 10 year, 20 year sort of plan to go into farming and grow your business, paying for really good professionals is actually just part of being in business. So that just might be a bit of a change required that you're going to have to pay for people, but you'll get your money back 10 times over by getting all this right up front. And uh, these people are actually really nice people. You know, in agriculture, we have some of the best accountants and solicitors and farm consultants that are very common sense. They tend not to use jargon and they totally understand someone coming in that's quite new and they're they're excellent. And so just be confident to 
get some referrals to people, find a firm that deals a lot with agriculture. You can get references through people like Sean through your banker. They they know these people. And um, you'll be fine just uh, waltzing into their office and having a chat. They're very used to talking to people just starting out. Shanda, do you have any thoughts on that? No, along the, along the same lines, we do have, just within our local regions, we have your main accountants in different districts who will work with our contract mockers and same with solicitors as well. So it's really just reaching out um, and they form part of your trusted advisor kind of group. It's a real key theme we see with those that succeed are starting out getting the right advice from the start and the right team of people around them who understand who they are and where they're going and they can take them along on the ride. Paul, why are an official contract milking agreement and a tenancy agreement important? You know, couldn't a handshake do the trick? Yeah, there are examples where handshakes do work when there's no agreements, but you know, it gives you very little protection if something goes wrong. And agreements are essential because if someone doesn't do what they agree to do, then it's in writing and you sort of have some sort of recourse. I guess on the more positive side, I think you really need to sort of look at an agreement as it just creates an opportunity where you sit down, whether it's the farm owner, could be a a staff member with an employment agreement or a tenancy agreement, those agreements sort of create the opportunity where you sit down, you sort of go through all the, the key parts of the agreement and you just discuss them through and make sure using common language that everyone understands what the situation is. And so, you know, do you have a runoff and am I expected to manage the stock on the runoff? You know, what's your supplementary feed policy? And if there's a drought, what's going to happen with supplementary feed and milk solids production? So just make sure you go through every part of the agreement and talk about it. You know, what about Nate? What happens with that? What am I expected to do? So the chances that it's successful are just so much higher when everyone's got absolute clarity around what's expected of them. So really, you you see it as a positive thing. That's great. And Sean, just talking a bit about money here, can a contract milker borrow money from a bank to buy the machinery and the equipment they need? And if so, how do they go about doing that? How much of their own money do they need to have saved up? Good question, and one that's probably quite dear to my heart and my team's uh, hearts as well. It's around the first, I'll probably focus on the last part of your question is about how much money do they need saved up. If we think about a lot of our people that are entering contract milking, you're coming out of a job where you're paid frequently. Every fortnight or weekly, you're getting the income into your bank account. You're entering contract milking on the 1st of June and you won't get paid in most cases, depending on your agreement, until you send your first lot of milk. Um, And that might be through to the 15th or 20th of August. For your first check, and it's not a significant one, it might be September before you get a decent check in your account. So you've got a long time to wait that you need to cash flow through, generally at your peak time of the year for your expenses and that as well, or one of your peak times. So if we take the step back a little bit, it's around, yes, you can borrow some money, but what you need to be clear around is what actually do you need to, A, cash flow your contract marking position for those first three months, and also then what kind of equipment do you need? So what is a need and what is a nice to have for your role? We often have a lot of contract milkers coming to us who have 40 or 50 grand of HP debt before they even ask for any support for their new role. And it's quite a hard conversation to have with them where that 50 grand of HP debt takes a lot out of your cash flow already before we put any extra new debt into it. So my key thing would be, do you need all the flash gear or will something not quite as shiny be suffice and do the job? but also take some time and thought to build up some cash 
to help you going into your new role, whether that be put towards funding the equipment you need or cash flow. Having some money and some buffer in there is of use to you. The bank, we will look to support cash flow and we will do plant machinery too to some aspect as well. And it always looks better if you bring something to the table when you're asking for something from us as well. Hey, well, Sean and Paul, let's just finish up with, you know, any final thoughts from either of you. Paul, maybe you go first. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Well, I, I think Sean talked about it earlier around the sort of reputation and how, how that's important for both the contract milker and the farm owner. And I just think that's it's a really important aspect that every person should be thinking about, even if, you know, a staff member, farm manager, contract milker, think about your reputation because that has a huge impact on your future. Your dairy industry is pretty small. People talk, farm owners, bankers, consultants. And so building a great reputation is important. And you really do that by doing a couple of things. You need to be a very reliable person. You know, you do what you say you're going to do. You need to be actually good at farming and constantly building your skills all the time, depending on, you know, the stage in your, your career that you're at. And you need to work hard, you know, you need to treat that farm like it's your own farm. And if you do those things consistently, it'll pay off and you'll get good jobs. And over time, you'll do very well for yourself and your family. That's good. And what about you, Sean? Any final thoughts? Yeah, I suppose it's just to, to sum up a little bit about what we've talked about today. First, we would be to engage early with your advisors. So don't leave this. Uh, if you're looking at a new contract milking job, whether you're existing, you already have an existing contract milking job or you're taking on a new one, don't leave it till May to start talking to people about what you might need for June. Touch on that earlier and provide the information earlier because we also give us all an opportunity to have greater discussion and conversations and work out a, a good plan for you. Build your trusted team of advisors, your accountants, your mentors. Don't underestimate the value of your mentors, whether they be within the farming business or outside of it. But put a plan in place as well and put your budget together. Really cash flow it out. I know budgets can be boring. Put your budgets together. If you do need a little bit more help with that, either reach out to an accountant, reach out to your banker to put you in touch with the right people, or go to your Dairy NZ website. There's some great links there that we utilise all the time. We, within the bank, get a lot of good feedback from our customers on that as well. But actually have a clear plan. What is it you need? What are you asking for from your advisors? And then we can help you. Sean, just around young people starting out, contract milkers, they might see the, see farm owners or have their own banker that sort of calls into the farm and helps them with their loans, et cetera. It's a little bit trickier, isn't it, for a contract milker to sort of find that person or build up a relationship with a banker? How do they go about doing that? Because they they're not going to be necessarily borrowing a lot of money, are they? So. No, definitely. It's a slightly slightly different model, isn't it, um, Paul? So, I mean, a lot of our team, we do try, we are out and about. Reach out to the banks that are out there at discussion groups, and they should be able to put you in touch with the right people within your industry and in the area you're farming. But definitely reach out. Jump on the websites as well. There are all sorts of different channels that you can connect with your bank and find the right people to talk to. Paul, is it kosher to be sort of investigating two or three contract milking offers at the same time? I think that's fair enough. I think it's like anything, isn't it? You want to be looking at several opportunities because, you know, when you start off looking at something, you don't quite know where it's going to end up. So if you just sort of look at one at a time and something falls over, then you've got nothing uh, there for the next thing to look at. So, no, I, th I think it's uh, fair enough and would be a pretty common thing to do. 
Well, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, both of you, and just those pearls of wisdom. And um, yeah, really appreciate you giving up your time today. Great. Thanks, Ben. Thank you very much, Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Talking Dairy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, go to dairynz.co.nz forward slash podcast or find us on your favourite podcast platforms.